right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. Now live. Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Para-X Radio Network. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole. I am Jason M. Caldwell here on the Parax Network with my two co-hosts this week, Andrea Vitimus and Zachary Louie, who I both gave such a hard time to the past times that each one of them has been on the show that I'm going to go easy on them tonight. What? What? I got a hard time last time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I gave Zach a hard time last show that he co-hosted with me also (laughs) you know gave you guys a couple wild intros so guys i think we should jump into uh the april it is still april correct with the k.com challenge that we've all been busting our rumps on so in case you have lived under a rock on our show and don't know what that is it's 30 days of daily magical work, uh, depending on what the challenge is. This one is a self-transformational challenge or situational transformational challenge. We do the daily work and reflection work in blogs or videos or audio every day for 30 days to prove a point about how magic actually works. And every single time we run this challenge, people go all the way through with 30 days unbroken work. Uh, Putting the coffee table books aside, they have major life changes in real positive ways or really major life insights. And that's just 30 days of magic work, 30 minutes a day of any sort. Uh, that's up to you. Uh, on the point of self, This one's on the point of self-transformation or situational magical transformation. Uh, so we can have a whole show about our crazy experiences this time, but that's not today. Uh, but we can just readily see if you go to domagic.com, you can kind of see the blogs people are sharing. And there are some crazy things happening in people's lives. Uh, and a lot of people are about day 15 to 20 or so, so we're halfway done. Just fantastic magical work happening. And, and they're journaling it. Uh, and committing to actually go through all the way is just like it's always humbling to talk about since you see major major changes we've seen crazy stuff happen uh, with our challenges which we'll talk about as a case study when we're done because that's the whole part of staying silent Zach you got anything to add? nope Andreas pretty much covered it in a nutshell I mean we'll do the case study after we're done but everyone is doing an excellent job but everyone should just even if you have uh, haven't started it. It could start any time before the end, end of April for this challenge. Then it's 30 days, 30 minutes. It's always a life-changing thing. If you're wondering, oh, can I do this? You can do it. You should do it. You know, even if you're a novice, just getting in there and doing the magical work as opposed to reading about it, it, it will radically change your understanding of magic and you'll see the life benefits uh, and why... All three of us are really so committed to magic and uh, self-transformation via the magical channels, basically. We won't have to tell you why. You'll understand why after you do do this. 
And participation, as always, is completely, absolutely free. You just come hang out and share share your experiences with other people. Right. You can share whatever you feel comfortable. You can share with a pen name. You can share with a uh, whatever you want. Uh, you know, you just commit. Post it once in a while. What you're doing and journal your stuff. Uh, and that's it. So you could even come with a fake photo to, to if you want. That's okay. It's more important the process of actually going through and doing the work. Excellent. So we have a guest tonight that uh, we really like, and um, I feel kind of ashamed that it's been like five years since we've had him on the show, Dr. Louis Martinet. I, I feel ashamed too. Um, he's the content editor for Black Moon Publishing, and <clears throat> he's also, Louis has been in service to the New Orleans Voodoo Temple since the temple's inception 27 years ago. He's a drummer, elder, and priest of the temple. His practice synchronizes Bon Tibetan Buddhism with New Orleans Voodoo, which we're going to talk about because this is very interesting, and it is expressed through the drum. And Louis can correct me if I'm wrong about this. Blanc Donnie the master of his head. The Marasa and the Buddha sing within his heart. How are you doing today, Louis? That is perfect. That is just perfect. Yeah, and that um, event that that you're sponsoring is is tremendous, and it is experiential. That is really where the power is, absolutely, in particular with New Orleans voodoo, because people that simply want to read about it, there's a lot out there, but the, but if you want to touch it, if you want to like be in its heart, in its beating heart, it's doing it. Simply do it. Do it and keep a record. Do it and keep a record. Yeah. Well, we can't trust it enough. I think we, we've been stressing that for the last year, kind of as, I think the, I could just speak for myself, I think I've been stressing this as the kind of primary way that I'm interacting with the public is through this, this Do Magic Challenge right now. And Excellent. It's just the exact same message. Like, you cannot believe the kinds of changes you'll get in your life if you just do it. Like, mm-hmm. and not just once, like, just do it over and over and over. And all of a sudden, yeah. you'll wake up and you'll be like, What happened to my life? It's so much better. It, or I'm uh, actually yeah. getting back to school, or these major life changes are happening. Well, mm-hmm. that's that's how. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I want to say that it, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to be on the show with Andre again. That we haven't talked to each other for quite a while. So that is a very, it's a big pleasure for me. Oh, well, thank and, you. I, I feel bad. I should have been down in New Orleans, but grad school has been so rough. It's like, oh, man. No. I just lose track of time. Like, when you have family and you're working full time and you go to grad yeah. school, you realize. It is full time, yes. It's like yeah. five, the, yeah. five years. Wow. Yeah. You know, in the whole experiential aspect, you know, that that really is is so present for me right now with the passing of my good friend, uh, Nima, uh, Maggie Engels, Adna Hadna, and with her work with Mott. She was one of the first people, particularly one of the first women that we interacted with that was writing a memoir a a magical record of her experiences with spirit that was not dependent upon what other people were writing at the time and it sometimes contradicted what other people were writing and i just want to like pay homage to her in terms of of experiential because this was well when, when was this maybe 76 right around in 76 1976 and particularly at that point, it was so easy to find people who had read this or had read that and would repeat at length uh, passages from it, which has its benefit, and I'm sure has its benefit for them and was very good. But Maggie, Maggie, like, looked at it and then went right for the, uh, right for the blood. She uh, contacted Maud and wrote down what she got. Now, whether other people are into it or not is... is uh, an entirely different question. Uh, the importance, I think, is that that she did it. She uh, she practiced. She experienced, and it became part of her life. It became a great part of her life, and like you said, a very positive, very positive part. 
it's it, it just fosters her optimism in times when a lot of people in, a, in the culture itself wasn't doing too well. You know, so, you know I, I, always very optimistic. This isn't the show I thought we were going to have, but it, it, it becomes a very important point because uh, it, it, it does deal with voodoo and a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. that that whole contention between experiential, like, spirituality and the by the book, I don't think it ever has gotten resolved. If anything, it seems like it's worse nowadays uh, because people take sides on, on various <laughs> forums. Yeah. And then it's us versus them and... Uh, but I mean, in reality, like every real secret of worth is only going to come from experience. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, this whole taking sides on ideas and this, this, and this, or systems. I I remember a uh, the Lama I work with is Lama L. She's the Dog Chen Lama, and when she was in Tibet, she was up in the mountains, and there was a. Uh, a, uh, a big fight between the gurus over a piece of wood. It was a long piece of wood, and it was very, um, no splinters, no splinters, very thick, very nice piece of wood. And it turns out that, that the, uh, uh, the different disciples of the different lamas took sides, too. And Lama El says, you're so spiritually advanced. How can you fight? How can you argue over a piece of wood? And one of the gurus, one of the Tibetans, looked at her, and said, Westerner, I know you, I know Westerners, you fight over ideas, and you can't even sit on them. So, you can't even sit on it, yeah. (laughs) So you've got people arguing about how you do a certain ritual, rather than getting something you can sit on, like doing the ritual itself. That you can sit on, that you can sit in, yes, yeah. One of the yeah. things that I've always loved about voodoo is, uh, from my perspective, like, you can read all the books you want, and until you are around when the spirit's around, you just mm-hmm. won't get it. Um, yes, yes. And it's not that hard to get them to show up. It's really easier yeah. than people think. But it's like, it's risky. It's risky in that... Mm-hmm. Not in the way people think. Voodoo is not mm-hmm. risky in any of the ways people think. Uh, it's risky. Okay. It's. I think it's risky because they will show up. Uh-huh. And when they do show up, they'll give you what you need. And yes. that's risky because it means that a lot of times your situation it changes once they show up mm-hmm. because they've shown up. They're like, okay, we, we hear you. We're here. You know, you know when you see someone possessed, you talk to, you're talking to the spirit who mm-hmm. is, is kind of, it's, it's complicated. You know, it's kind of a, a, a mesh, and they, most people will lose consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. but it's basically the, the spirit. And then all of a sudden, uh-huh. your life changes because you ask. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh, that was well put. That was really well put. And, you know, that whole um, the whole aspect of possession or being taken by spirit, being taken by spirit fits so well with the Tibetan Buddhas, particularly the Dogchen, which is uh, deals with the primordial mind, that, no, you're not just this one point in space-time. You are much more than that. And I think that in many ways, possession or being, ta- or being taken by spirit is sort of like a door that opens you to that idea that, yeah, maybe I'm just not Louis. Maybe I'm not just this person sitting in this room in New Orleans. Maybe I'm all these other things at the same time, and all these other things can come in. You know, that's the first thing with that. And I guess the, the second thing with that is that what a tremendous, tremendous act of kindness to give your body to another spirit, to let another spirit come into your body and enjoy the world, le uh, alam, the world, enjoy, uh, which means the world in Hebrew or forever, to enjoy that through you, to move out of the way and let them come. It's much, um, much kinder than lending someone your car, much kinder. Yes. 
it, yeah. it, it usually goes better too. <laughs> yeah. It's also something of yes, yes, true. But once you experience it, it is also a symbiotic thing that is that is not mm-hmm. terrifying. And I think the problem mm-hmm. in our society is a lot of our pop culture makes people view any kind of possession as being a terrifying experience. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know the term possession too has got an economic term. It's got an economic sense to it, um, and it, it 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 is in some way it harkens back to slavery, to be possessed, to be owned, and uh, yeah, that's terrifying. That's ter- that is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. To think that there is some I that can be owned by someone else, possessed by something else. You know, and the uh, as you say too, the depictions of it are so um, bloodthirsty, I guess, or uh, or um, overly dramatic. Let me put it over. Sometimes overly dramatic. Yeah, that uh, um, that it can't that it can be frightening. And again, this is a, a vilification of yeah. anything that takes you out of the normal sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's even worse than even modern takes on this, even after kind of like, this is becoming a real thing. Like, you know, I've been initiated for a lot of years, and I kind of mm-hmm. keep to myself right. a lot more lately. But, mm-hmm. like, conjure and voodoo and is becoming a real thing, and you'd think that would mean it kind of gets into the consciousness in a little bit more positive route, but then you watch shows like, that's not a rip on the show, but, um, God, I forgot the name of the show now. It was on the tip of my tongue. It was with Papa Legba. basically. Yeah. There's a few on that one. Uh, right, like, it was it was a major show. It was like uh, Coven. American or yeah, that was one of them, too. That I was just like, could you get any more insulting to the spirit? Uh, like, yeah, yeah. Like, and the notion of possession is still like, no matter how many people get into this, and even though we keep saying these things are angels, although we could even go on a long mm-hmm. diatribe about demons don't mean demons in the same way people think, right. but right. we're basically saying. I mean, I, I, that's a different show, which I'd love to have, too, like about demons being wrathful Buddhas in the way, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll go on and on about that. But, I mean, even though you say these things are angels, and the whole notion of the eye, protecting the eye, is just kind of... Yes. It's just holding on to something that never existed in the first place. It's, it's <laughs> yes. a story. Like, yes. It's a story that, in some ways, Western magic, not entirely, but in some ways, it actually helps to reinforce. But this is not a cultural idea that they necessarily have in Haiti or Africa or other places. Mm-hmm. This this idea of mm-hmm. a singular eye isn't isn't there in, in Haiti. I learned mm-hmm. those five parts of the soul other people say seven but still it's not in one eye it's a it's a we to start with yes oh my god yes see this you know the the well the, the topic the announced topic uh dog chen uh tibetan buddhism and new orleans voodoo this is at the core of it absolutely the eye and the sense of an individual eye is absolutely at the core of it i mean at, at the very least we are an ecology at the very least, this body is composed of so many different elements, so many different symbiotic beings in my gut, in my intestine, in my throat, in, in my brain. There's all these things that are living in there. And to say that there is one eye that can be held onto as concrete, as, as unchanging, is flies in the face of of these these really sort of simple facts. You know how many beings are within this what I call my body, um, and that again is like with New Orleans voodoo with Dogen. The eye is like heavily in question, heavily in question, and there is so much beyond it in terms of with the Dogen in terms of the primordial mind. 
And one of the things that got me more interested in 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 Tibetan Buddhism and in Dogchen was the idea of 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 a god. And if that god was good, if that god was good, why is there so much suffering in the world? You know, and people say to me, well, I, I really can't be a voodoo because I don't believe in God. And I said, you would probably have a problem if you believed in God and wanted to be a voodoo. You don't have to. You really don't have to. That It's a system that can take you to places you have not experienced before and you can grow with tremendously and you don't need one all-powerful all creator that is supposedly good but at the same time there is so much evil in the world you don't need to be in a position of addressing or even explaining that so i, I think, think that, that there yeah i even think that the notion of god is difficult and more difficult in voodoo than people would let on um mm -hmm. because at least in haitian voodoo and my experience of new orleans voodoo god doesn't possess people <laughs> like right. no no like, no. <laughs> no no because there's a reason we have the law because god doesn't possess people because mm -hmm. in similarly even in catholicism we have intermediaries because we can't understand God. Like, mm -hmm. it's not understandable. As in, it's mm -hmm. not relatable. As in, it's, it's not... It's something that can answer your prayers through the intermediaries, but not necessarily directly because it, it may not even under... It may understand human consciousness, but the notion of God, I've always found in voodoo, is much similar to the notion of God in Hinduism, than I think it is to the Christian notion of God. It's just not, it's not an easy concept to just dive in there and say, God the yeah. Father figure will come in and grant your wish. Well, we already have all the Father figures who can come in and grant your wish. That's mm -hmm. not God. That's, that's something else. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, and I can even say something to be more Christian-friendly. Think of it like many Christians believe that the Holy Spirit can move through individuals. Just think of it as that, but with a personification and crank up the volume. Well, yeah. I mean, that would perfectly match from a Buddhist perspective. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that I'm looking at, like right now, you know, in terms of the discussion is if there is a God that is good, that is all-powerful, why is there so much suffering in the world? Uh, why do children suffer? Why do, uh, um, well, Hurricane Katrina. Why Hurricane Katrina? Why the bodies in the streets? You know, if this God is all good and all-powerful. Now, in Dogchen or Tibetan Buddhism, you can have entities that are omniscient, but not omnipotent. And the traditional aspect of God, particularly in terms of New Orleans voodoo, where, you know, I would go to St. Uh, before I would go to St. Louis Cathedral on certain days, um, that God was both omniscient, all-knowing, and all-powerful. If a God is all-knowing, how can that God that is also all-powerful uh, allow um, the person to be trapped in the roof during Katrina and drowned. You know, let me let me be know. horrifying for a moment. I'm going to be horrifying for yeah. a moment because I studied biblical <laughs> scripture for quite a long time in my younger years, and I would say uh -huh. anyone who studies scripture is not going to buy into God being all good, but God is, and the most important thing to that mm -hmm. concept of God is that His will be done. Um, mm -hmm. It it never to me really resonated as the message of God is all good and everything's right. going to be peachy all the okay. time. And okay. what I also probably this just gets into another concept, right? Well, yeah, it gets into a lot of different concepts. Where what is good? Because that's very right. relative, depending on your perspective. That's, that's where I was going to go. Is it <laughs> is it good for the cosmos keeps running, or good for humanity? Yeah, those are God, two God's different kind concepts. Of fascist. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I gave uh, the example of, of the, as Dostoevsky gave it, the example of the child's suffering. Mm -hmm. 
is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. You know, it, it, to me, that would be a, a bad thing. Um, I have seen, I have seen children with, um, um, uh, microcephalia that were in pain almost constantly because of the, uh, the, the formation of the skull that I would look at and I would say, that is not a good thing. Right. So, but it is very relative in terms of, well, it's been rain today. <laughs> you know, it'd be a much better day if it rained. Um, well, what what it, would it, what would be it, your answer to this, Louis? What was your conclusion when you really thought this out? When I looked at it, I went, "If there is a God, that God is evil. If there is a wow. God that is all powerful, that God is in itself what I would call evil." With all the suffering, with all of the pain in the world, if that God is um, is all powerful, if with Buddhism, with the dog Shen, uh, the highest is is omniscient, all knowing, and not all all powerful. Ah. So again, you know, you could. I guess you could go back to scripture. I've never really studied scripture, and I guess you could go back into it and look and go, well, is this God really all powerful? Or all, are there other gods that it is contending with? Um, thou shalt not hit me above other, other gods, whatever. Yeah, you know that you could get into that. And I think that the, to many people, and to me, the the, the Dogchen, the Tibetan Buddhism addresses that. And in terms of the the uh, intermediaries, you've got you've got the, that tremendous array of spirits uh, with New Orleans voodoo. Uh, all of the Legbas, all of the Arizulis, all of them. Some new concept, something new that, that comes in, though, with, uh, with the Adokshen, is that Legba, as a spirit, as a Loa, will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I have spoken to people, spoken to voodoos, that absolutely did not hear that, because it was too challenging. Anything oh, that is... That is that is certainly true. They have seen me get possessed by all three of those in practice. In practice, they've met all three of those in different rituals. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. yep. So we can we can verify that theory in practice in, in our mm-hmm. in practice in our home, in home for yeah. Like this is like they have met they have met a young Legba who asked. Mm-hmm. Well, Eggbardo, they've met an uh, old Eggbardo who can barely walk in the end, and uh, they've met in the middle, and they, they do slightly different things. Uh, uh-huh. Um, they're still Legba, but it, it's different, different pathways. Uh-huh. And, and uh-huh. With, without that, that experience, that's a very hard concept for people to grasp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think what you brought up before, that there is more than one self, <laughs> you know, that, that there is a multitude. Uh, when I write now, when I say myself, it's my space self. In other words, the self that I'm manifesting at this moment, you know, there are many, many, many others coming through at different times with a lot of differences. Um, yeah, I think with that and with the Dog Chen, too, with the Buddhism, that, that there is so much that can be enjoyed if you let go of that concretized self. If you just simply relax. Something to relax into. And something that will take you to places that are mystical. New Orleans voodoo to me is the magic. That is the practice. That is the conjure. That is the the color, the vibrancy, the lucidity of the universe. All of that, all of that that coming together, Doctor John, Doctor John. Um, when I see him now, is that, and then there is the mysticism, which to me is the primordial mind. It is this, this is where all it all arises, and it is um, spacious, empty, lucid, and um, informing all of this. Yet at the same time, in no way affected by all of this. So that, 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 with the Buddhism and with the New Orleans voodoo, you've got the mysticism with the Dog Chen, 
and you've got the conjure or the magic with the New Orleans voodoo. And to me, it, to me they fit together so very, very well. So we talked some about your Dr. John work five years ago, and since mm-hmm. then you've put out a book about it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah. let's tell everybody the, uh, the name of the book and where they can find it. I am I am so happy to have been part of putting this out. Dr. John Montanay, a grimoire, The Path of the New Orleans Loa, Resurrection in Remembrance. And if you look up uh, drjohnvoodoo.com, that's the website that supports the book and has a lot of the information in it um, available right there. Um, so much, so much was said about Dr. John. Uh, when I first got to New Orleans, maybe 30-some years ago, uh, people would talk about him, but so little was actually known. And he was always, in terms of the street, you know, the word on the street, associated with drumming. And the drum is like just at, at the heart of my practice. So I became very, very interested in, in Dr. John and trying to find out things. And I uh, had a little um, alliance with Carolyn Long, uh, late of the uh, Smithsonian Institution. And with her influence, we were able to get into um, the, the notorial archives uh, and get his Dr. John's signature. And that made contacting him, that gave, it, that gave us a link to contact him that is so strong. And this book is he has a lot of the history. It's got it's got a line of succession for him. It's got it's got his marriage documents. It's got his burial documents, copies of it. All that is in here. All that is in here. Everything that I have learned is in here about Doctor John, and it also contains an open door in terms of the conjures, where again it's experiential. If you really want to get to know him, call him call him and and like uh and like andre said before that the loa are very close and he is very close and he is a relatively new loa in terms of say legba or erzuli when compared to legba or erzuli and this is this contains rituals that the that can be used to feed him to strengthen him to uh create that kind of uh relationship with him and it can be just totally amazing totally amazing he would go out at night and speak to the spirits in the night sky in a, in a strange language you know if you call him you know one way is to go out at night and look into the sky and look, whatever comes through your mouth let it come out let it come out and i've had just totally amazing physical experiences with that where by good God, look at that cloud formation. It's a face. I can't believe it. It's really a face up there. Yeah, you know, he's very present. And if you are a voodoo and if you are drawn toward drumming, he is uh, very good to enter into a relationship with. The drum, the drum itself, you know, if you look at it, particularly the djembe, it's got a head, it's got a body, and it's got a mouth. As we have a head, we have a body, and we have a mouth. You dress the body, you anoint the head, and you feed the mouth. It's many ways we do with ourselves. It, uh, it's a whole liturgy that can be uh, uh, based around him and based around contact with the spirit of Dr. John. And again, Dr. John, I know, will have a beginning, a middle, and an end is all of this beautiful, beautiful uh, phantasmagoria around us. And all that, I'm I'm sitting right here looking around, and I'm going, you know, these are just neural um, signals that are coming through my eyes. And I'm something, not I, but something is creating all of this. This is all arising, all arising, all arising, all arising. Is And Dr. John is part of that all arising, part of the color, part of the beauty of, of the existence of the world we're in. I think that uh, curiosity in terms of contacting him is really important. And 
a desire to know, you know, what is around us? What is, I'm playing, let's say you're playing a drum, you know. You know, who, who else played this drum in the past? Who else played a drum in the past? Who else called spirits with a drum in the past? And he's one of the loa, particularly in New Orleans, a loa of the drums. So this is, um, I'm just very happy to be able to do Dr. John Montanea Grimoire. And you can get it, you can get it all over the world. I mean, it, it is totally available, like the uh, New Orleans Voodoo Tarot. Uh, totally available just on Amazon. I would say go on to Amazon if you want to get it. You'll probably get the best price on it there. And if you want to just simply look into it for the information, go to drjohnvoodoo.com, yes. our website, the website that supports the book. Yeah, It's yeah. been a few years, but it, it was a pretty strong contact when we met Dr. John, actually, in Possession Rituals. So yes. I, yep. I can speak yes. it's it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful, man! Thank. Yeah, that absolutely. I, I, that that Starwood was very important to me. Very important to me where we met, and yeah, yeah, very important. It also speaks and to I voodoo think, being such so a yeah. living. Voodoo is such a living, progressive, progressing yeah. uh, practice. The fact that someone who in life took part in the rituals and was part of the community in death people can uh do magical acts to elevate that spirit and make it i don't know how you'd say it something akin to a saint is would that be a nice yeah. parallel yeah. a saint an angel a yeah 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 a friend a uh, uh a a co-worker a uh um an aspect of the self an aspect of the self all of that yeah is mm -hmm. is is yeah aspect of myself as I am an aspect of Dr. John that the interconnectedness it really does point to the interconnectedness that how deeply we are all interconnected uh, in calling Dr. John you know there is the at times the ability to reach out and to touch with the fingers if it doesn't touch with the fingers there's all of this this energy these rays coming off of the fingers that the body not stopping at the fingers. Okay, it touches with that. It touches with this. It touches. All interconnected. And it, and in working with some spirit like Dr. John, it really acknowledges that interconnectedness and the ability, and the the ability and the willingness to to feed that spirit, to give that spirit, say, a part of your quote unquote self, to strengthen it, is uh, uh, shows that interconnectedness. Um, one time I heard a llama say, it kind of, well, it kind of goes full circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. Yeah. And now he is the main Loa, the main spirit that I work with. And every morning, you know, I offer him coffee every morning. There's this, there's this, there's this. There's a little rites that go on during the day. And, uh, I mean, all I can say is that, that in terms of the, um, the beauty of the world, in terms of the happenings of the world, I get so much more back than I give from working with Dr. John. It's kind of interesting because it goes back to the notion uh, that... You can't really work with a spirit and not have it become part of you. It just Excellent. It right. goes back to that I being somewhat illusionary or at least transitory. Yeah. Um, yes. That it's not really possible to do extensive spiritual work and and actually like not have it uh, affect. Uh, not not have it change you and become part of you at the same time. One could argue you become part of the spirit too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole idea of of mother or father of the spirits. That you know, a mother, the child is a part of her as she is a part of the child. It's that that kind of connectedness, that kind of of uh, communion. That the depth of it, the the to see. I, I guess I've been working with John, with Doctor John now. At first, he came as an entity that called itself DJ, 
and that was in maybe the uh, early 70s, 1970s. Hmm. And it just evolved, 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 and evolved, and oh my God, Dr. John, okay, there's this, this, and this. And then uh, Mac, the present Dr. John, um, who is such a, a strong practitioner, uh, he would come to the, the rituals at the, at the uh, Voodoo Spiritual Temple. And people would say, you know, where I, I thought Dr. John was going to be here, or Mac was going to be here. You were know, sitting right next to him. You know, he's a man. That's what he looks like. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, there's no big fanfare or anything. You come in, you know, and it's beauty. There's a real beauty there that, that, that there's no big fanfare. And he, does, he doesn't want any big fanfare. Um, that it is such a strong, and he has been such a strong experience on me. I think that the music of Dr. John and the music of the Velvet Underground are the two strongest influences on my drumming. Velvet my Underground, sweet. We have a common interest. Oh, Maureen Tucker. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 you know, I, I have got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maureen Tucker, yeah. Yeah, that that again with that that is that straightforward that 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 uh, the kind of rhythm that just pulls you up and draws you into it. I think that that's what she was playing. That's what she was playing. Yeah, and uh, um, to be able to have been in so many other bands because it, 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 before I got into the drumming say with the Temple, I was in many other bands. Um, that played uh, uh, rock and other kinds of popular, industrial, other kinds of popular music, and it just got to be repetitive. It got to be that I was sitting backstage reading the newspaper rather than having fun, what I thought before was fun. And I wanted something with more depth, and that is what drew me um, initially to the, uh, to the voodoo, and particularly New Orleans voodoo, with, the, with this emphasis on drums and that. That and... Patrick, I was, I was practicing with a guy named Patrick, and someone said to him, uh, an, old, an old black spiritualist uh, woman um, uh, in a shop, I don't remember the name of the shop, said to him, you've got a friend that's being called. He doesn't want to come, but he's being called. And he told me that, and I went, because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I was doing more ceremonial magic then. You know? And uh, um, over time, I just felt that call more and more and more. So the the um, like like Andre said the immediacy, the immediacy of the loa right there the nearness of the loa, and again the the, the use of the uh, um, the drum in the liturgy. So from my whole life the drum has been with me. It has been central to my practice, and it continues to be central to my practice. So Louis, let me ask you an interesting question about the uh, the ceremonial magic crossover. Um, a lot of ceremonial magic, you keep yourself in a protective circle and you summon the spirit into a triangle. Um, was that practice back then? Did that did that kind of hinder your willingness to want to merge with the spirit? You know, we always tended to violate that. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> to go, yeah, to go like, well, Huzzah! you know, <laughs> what happens if you stand in the triangle? Let's see. Keep a record uh, of it. Yeah, keep uh, a record. Huzzah! I mean, huzzah! <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can live, you know, you can, I guess, uh, uh, Wiccanfest uh, up in Toronto. This was, a, this was a number of years ago. I remember being there, and it was an emphasis on safe practices, and this, this, and this, and we will keep you safe during the rituals, and that, and someone said to me, and I was with a guy named Louis from uh, Cuba, uh, someone said to us, uh, what about your rituals? And I said, you could die. And at the same time, they ask us back five years straight. I see. Because and I get hate people. Mail. I gotta. I gotta, yeah. I gotta learn your secret, Louis, for not getting hate mail on that. <laughs> <laughs> people but want to stand in the triangle. Yeah, they want to stand in the triangle. They want to. We would always, I mean, when we were doing ceremonial magic, we would always find at least one person that would want to be in the triangle. And times that I've been in the triangle, oh my God, what comes through you. The, 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 the spirits, the phantasmagoria, uh, if you record it, 
I remember one recording, you know, it was like, well, this makes no, you just sort of speed it up and you can tell what I'm saying. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the interesting a, thing is, like, it's we can have a whole discussion about demons not being what people think at all. Right, demons, and, yes, yes. Like, <laughs> and that this whole idea of safe magic being also mm-hmm. kind of, do you really think that the triangle really is going to... I mean, yes, it can constrain them right then and there, but if you want your life to change, the magic isn't safe to start. Like, right, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know how to tell people that, you know, it's not safe. Yeah, it's difficult, but it's, a, it, it's, it's like you're alive, and do you want to just continue uh, going to work, doing this, doing that is pleasant day after day after day. If you don't want to, you're going to have to get into some areas that are not safe. You're going to have to put yourself in the triangle. Um, one of one of Lama L's teachers, um, Nine Fingers, this was in Tibet, um, most of his students died. Um, he killed most of his students, in fact. He chased her up on the roof with a, with a knife. And to her main lama called her back before Nine Fingers killed her. What he was teaching was moving beyond fear. Now, if you're going to move beyond fear, first you've got to experience fear. And it's got to be real. There's an intensity there. If you realize that this particular heap, this particular body, has a beginning, a middle, and an end, it makes you much more able to experiment and to uh, put yourself in the triangle. That, no, the, what, what, what is, there's, you want to protect in a certain sense, and at the same time you want to grow. And growth is like, like, mock, it's like coming out of a shell. You break the shell, and it's dangerous to break the shell. Yeah, so, there's always consequences. Like not necessarily bad consequences. It's not right. Not bad necessarily, but different people will be in your life. It, you know, different. Yeah. Your situation will be different. Like you might not accept certain people in your life anymore, and that's that's hard. Mm-hmm. That is hard. That I, I uh, uh, my yeah, the, the, the second companion. You know, I remember like we were so close, and then we weren't so close because I was experiencing things that I could not communicate to her. And that hurt. That hurt. And we both acknowledged that that hurt. That hurt both of us. And just the, oh my God, the, the, the closeness that you can feel with people that can start to evaporate when you realize that they're in a way holding you back. From that experience, from experiencing your own true name, from experiencing your own, the largeness or the smallness of what you are, the, 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 the true nature, the true nature. So and, that's difficult. And even in classical voodoo, like, you know, not even demonic, like, invocation, like, when a goon comes, you got to watch where the blade is going. Like... Mm-hmm. If he's, I mean, it's, it's, these are fiery spirits. Some of them, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> like yeah. that's their nature. Uh, you know, or you know, th- there was one time that someone almost broke their hand on my chest when I got possessed by Grand Bois. I mean, oh my God, okay. Grand Bois was trying to get him to punch him as hard as he could, except he was a uh-huh. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, that's, that's the I mean, this is kind of not safe magic. <clears throat> not safe you know, magic. This gets into that, that, that paper you wrote, that excellent paper, Spirituality and individual, Individuality in the Age of Super Boredom and Endless Information for the Occult Digest Number 2. Yep, Just an yep. excellent, you know, it's like in, in situations like that, you know, the role of a mentor the role of a guru, the role of a teacher, you know, can be so important. And what does that mean in terms of, as you put it, you know, endless information? 
You know, yes. you can look up anything online now, yeah. But at the same time, in practice, it's a little bit different than the, than the two-dimensionality of being online. I think the truth yeah. is there's no secrets anymore except what you can experience. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think there's a disconnect between what is considered secret and thus valuable in, in books and what's uh -huh. published versus um, the, the secrecy of being able to experience things where people actually can can pull spirit down. Like, there's a real disconnect mm -hmm. between these things because there's really no secrets in books worth having. Like, mm -hmm. I, I say that I'll get hate mail, but, I mean, it's true. Until you actually do it or you have somebody who can do it, you just, you don't know what they're actually referring to. It's it's spoken in techno yeah. for their cult. Like, yeah. uh, nothing in magic is really... It's it's like go. It's nothing is that particularly hard, but mm -hmm. getting it to go isn't particularly hard. It's just a continuous, like getting past all this the language and the book stuff because you there there isn't any magic that works without experience. It's just it's just oh, it can't happen. Like well, it's yeah. like martial arts, right? It's like you can read martial arts doesn't mean you can defend yourself after reading a book. You gotta put in the That's time. A great analogy. I can hand you the advanced techniques if you don't have the basics down. <laughs> it is, you know, it's perfect in terms of the Tibetan Buddhism, the Dogchen, the Bong. With the Dogchen, there's something called pointing out, where it says, you know, don't read books about the primordial mind. Find a teacher that has experienced it so that they can point to it. And when they point to it, don't look at their finger, look at where they're pointing. It's like trying to find Pittsburgh. You know, it's like it's a lot easier if you if you're in a car with someone that has been to Pittsburgh before. And that has experienced it, not just simple simply someone that has read a book about Pittsburgh. We, we yeah. have to be honest on the show. That is also very hard because mm -hmm. you have everyone trying to cash in on mm -hmm. oh, yeah. on the the rise of the of cultism, and very few people. This is actually like probably my pet horse why I get the most hate mail. But you know, very few people understand what's actually in the like the Vedics, about what the age, of ignorant, uh, the age of Ignorance and Darkness actually says, which is what we're in. Okay. Um, it's essentially that everyone will do exactly that. There will be somebody taking a dollar and you'll get nothing, and the people are real, like you can't tell the difference. Because unless right. you actually go and take a risk on someone, and then you might, you might lose... You might lose that bet nine out of ten times, and maybe on one out of ten, you meet somebody who can absolutely do everything we're describing. Yes. But then by that time, you're already jaded, mm -hmm. and you don't believe what that you saw. So, that is so difficult. Uh, Frater PVN, by the Forbidden Orifice, uh, anal intercourse is very much into anal intercourse. Um, he was a member of the OTO maybe maybe ago. And what he did was, what he did was um, talked about the secret rituals, and hello, yep, we're still there. there. We're back. Okay, yeah. Um, and what he did was talk. Frater PVN talked about the the secret rituals, and he said, "Well, really, nothing should be secret." And what the people in the OTO at that point, at that point in time, uh, probably Grady McMurtry and I said to him was, "Well, if, if you explain that." Just take you are God. You are God in a trivial context. It will be trivialized. Or you'll become jaded. You will become jaded. Then you not only have to unlearn that trivialization of that, you've got to like overcome being jaded. So that there are certain things that should be said in certain under certain conditions and should not be said under 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 other conditions, because that increases the chances the student is going to misunderstand it, and then they have to get over the misunderstanding before they even come anywhere close to the truth. And again, like with the Dogchen, 
And with the New Orleans voodoo, um, you watch movies on possession, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't go through that. You know, it's, oh, my God, your, your head will turn around 12 times in a row and all this other stuff, and, and it'll be just horrible. Um, oh, can I say something horrible? You have to unlearn that. Yeah. Oh, please. <laughs> can I say something please. horrible? I almost certainly see who's worth keeping around with a Nagoon possession. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 right then and there, like, they either are in or out, or the gate or the dead. Having a getting uh-huh. possessed by the dead, uh-huh. you know right then and there whether they're going to stick around within five minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Because people yeah. literally it's have ran out of the building after. Yeah, people have oh, ran out of yep. the building or rituals. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, insect lore. That that that's a good example too. I remember doing a ritual with an entomologist uh, and. He and she, because they were they were a couple, um, when they were possessed by the lower the, the movements that they went through, because they were so familiar with insects, they were so familiar with the way wings grew, the way wings moved. It was just just amazing, truly amazing. So, um, yeah, it, it it can be um, disconcerting. It can be disconcerting, and if you're expecting something disconcerting, you'll probably get something that's disconcerting. If you've got the information, if voodoo is portrayed uh, in Hollywood um, as a way to to make money to get audiences to titillate, uh, you've got to overcome that first. And the same way with books. If you read a book about what the primordial mind is, before going to a teacher that can actually point it out to you and you get some sense of it, you've got a lot not only to learn, but to unlearn. I think that's actually true in ceremonial magic, too. Um, Yeah. In some ways, like, you should try to find a teacher that has crossed the abyss. If you haven't had a teacher that actually can, has crossed through Da'ath, they, well, mm-hmm. we can call it primordial mind here too at that point, and be correct. Um, mm-hmm. They can't. They have not experienced. This, they cannot have experienced the super reality. But finding those people are probably rare. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, Louis... in your paper, yeah, just in in in, in uh, um, Andrea's paper, um, the times that mentoring worked for us and with our students really had three qualities. They were removed from the potential acclaim of the public eye. Money was not a driving force. They were removed from other sources of attention, such as moving upwards in a magical grade. Well put, well put, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is uh, probably one of the, the most difficult aspects of all occultism is to realize that Social rank and standing does not equal magical power. Mm-hmm. And wow, yeah, yeah. That's that's hard because you know we want to advance, and that's just in a way that goes right back to the Buddhist statements. That's there's parts of you that do want to advance and yeah. be the number one, and that's usually the parts of you that will also prevent you from growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because like, real that's spiritual true. advancement comes from probably not that and that's yeah. not an easy lesson to ever learn so yeah I, gen- I always yeah. I was fortunate to spend oh, we're, we're reaching we're reaching the top of the hour Louie would you like to tell the audience what you have coming up publicly I think the most important thing that I have coming up is a period of silence with Adobe Chen where I'm going to thank myself and all beings for this chance that that you've given me to uh to speak with you and to whomever else is listening all right well folks this is jason m caldwell with andrea vitimus zachary louis tonight's guest louis martinet dr louis martinet this has been deeper down the rabbit hole in the para x network 
everyone have a terrific evening we will talk to you next week